It's poverty. It's crime. Unemployment. Corruption. Accountability. The energy crisis. Inflation. We are worried. That South Africa has myriad problems on all fronts is a given. But the time has come for us to look for real solutions. I'm Jeremy Maggs, and this MoneyWeb podcast will discuss those solutions on how South Africans can solve problems by having tough conversations and drawing on the insights of South Africa's top business leaders. Welcome to Fix SA. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fix SA here on MoneyWeb. Conversations committed to finding solutions and viable approaches to the complex and often multifaceted issues facing South Africa. The program is brought to you by the IDC. I'm Jeremy Maggs, and today we welcome Bobby Godsell, former Chief Executive Officer of Anglo Gold Ashanti. He was the non-executive chairman of ESCOM for a year and has been part of the National Planning Commission. He espouses a philosophy that good leadership requires a belief in the equality and the dignity of every human being and that businesses have a social responsibility beyond their immediate profit motives. On his retirement, Godsell was described as a visionary that has done much to shape the destiny of South Africa's labor relations landscape. Bobby Godsell, this is a series about rebuilding South Africa. Welcome to you. What needs fixing? A lot of needs fixing, Jeremy. But, you know, for me, a starting point is um, that South Africans need a realistic perspective about their country, its past and its future. I say this, you know, in in, in big picture terms, uh, black and white came together 300 years ago. They came together uh, in a context of military conquest. Mm. You know, as we think a lot about Gaza, (laughs) we think about a country that has effectively been under military occupation since 1967. I think that's 76 Mm. years But that's a long period. Um, I mean, it's a mixed history, by the way. I wish that we knew more about the Trek Boers when they left the safety of Cape Town, the unreality, I must say, of Mm. Cape Town, and ventured into the hinterland of our country. They uh, engaged in wars, but they also did a lot of negotiating with local uh, indigenous peoples. I wish we knew more about the negotiation. I wish that uh, Jan Hofmeyer had sat down with the leadership of the ANC in 1948 in the Native Council. I think that an agreement could have been achieved on a qualified franchise and a gradual expansion of democracy in South Africa as it expanded in many other democratizing countries around the world. So it's a long and complicated history. Firstly, I don't think the country is entirely broken. It's captured by that famous uh, Martin Luther King phrase that we aren't where we want to be, we aren't where we're going to be, but thank God we aren't where we were. And to forget the last sentence is, I think, not to equip yourself to have the courage and the energy and the vision to fix what needs to be fixed. You talk about the need for us to have a realistic picture of what is happening in South Africa right now. Do you think that we have our heads in the sand, that we just are unable to come to terms with what that realistic picture is? And either we default to absolute gloom and doom, or we live in a bubble, maybe something like the Western Cape, for instance. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, what I think is true is that countries are complex. Let me relate a conversation that my wife had with a friend yesterday. She has a, a sister who attends 
municipal clinics. Mm. And she was relating the story about how a municipal clinic had phoned a patient who hadn't collected their AIDS medication two months in a row. Now, I mean, here's the thing. There's a clinic that has AIDS medication. There's a clinic that has a list of the people who need it. There's a clinic that after the second month of non-collection phones a family member and asks them to intervene and get it right. That's success. Then, of course, uh, there are uh, any number of uh, failings, and we could talk about the state-owned enterprise, in which I had, a, in fact, a 15-month encounter, mm-hmm. and in which I see a lot of, because I serve on the board of the Industrial Development Corporation now. And, yes, there's a great deal that needs to be fixed with the state-owned enterprises. There's a great deal that needs to be fixed with water and energy. Again, there is a need to have a perspective. The latest census indicates that the population of Johannesburg has increased fourfold since 1994. Now, what we haven't had is a fourfold increase in water infrastructure, not dams, not major piping. So we haven't had the new infrastructure, and quite a lot of the old infrastructure has been poorly maintained. It's absolutely true that maintenance has been very poor. These things are imminently fixable. You know, I think <laughs> I think the main thing, incidentally, that needs to be fixed is that, I mean, next year we'll have a major provincial and national election. Mm. The most unpredictable election since 1994, because after 1994, the only question was, would the ANC get a, a two-thirds majority or not? Now, it's quite possible that at national level and in some provinces, no party will get a 50% majority and will need coalitions. It's a completely different context. We went to the polls, black and white South Africans, I think in the belief that the country truly belonged to all. I think for white South Africans, there was a recognition that they were black South Africans and that they weren't going to go away. I mean, one, one should recall the promise of Hendrik Verwitt of white by night. Mm. You could have domestic workers during the day and they could go to the homelands at night. I think <laughs> there was a realism that blacks weren't going anywhere. I don't actually think, by the way, that black South Africans ever wanted the whites to go anywhere. So there was this kind of mutual recognition of here we are, we're standing in the queue, we're voting for the first time for a fully democratic government. I think there was also a perception that for this to work, we needed to cooperate. And what people forget is that we voted in 94 under an interim constitution, which incidentally promised every party that got 3,5% of the vote a seat in cabinet and promised any party that got 20% of the vote a deputy president. So this was, we voted for a government of national unity. This is one thing we have to fix because since that time, competitive politics have descended into people playing a race card uh, between the parties saying, if you're black, you should vote for me. And actually another party saying, if you're not black, you should vote for us because mm-hmm. they don't <laughs> look after your interests. I think that we have a chance in 2024 and a need to have a different kind of politics that's focusing on growing the economy, building the society, addressing youth unemployment, doing all of those things, which, by the way, are very well analyzed. Uh, I was indeed spent five years of my life on the National Development Plan. It It was presented in 2011. It was accepted by all the political parties that were then in parliament. The EFF, I have to acknowledge, was not in parliament, but I think there were... And in fact, 11 parties in Parliament who all endorsed it. The sadness is that 
its recommendations, the 181 actionable ideas, have not been comprehensively implemented. And that's been a major failure of both the state, but not only the state, by the way, because the plan was a plan for society as well as for government. Business has failed. Civil society has failed. The, the, the churches and faith-based communities have failed. They played a huge role in bringing apartheid to an end and facilitating a peaceful transition. You know, that's what has to be fixed, uh, a belief in the country, an acceptance of each other's and each other's fundamental uh, equality, and a determination to work together on practical issues. I think there are some encouraging signs that this is beginning to happen. For the first time in my adult life, uh, business and government are working in three broad areas to fix transport, electricity, and crime. And th these are tangible things. There are plans, there are timelines, there are resources being allocated, and I think we will see progress. Driven by a degree of expediency, though, on both sides, um, they, they now have no choice but to work together. Well, if you like, mm. driven by a, a sense of, of crisis, I think most changed behavior is. Mm. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's driven by a determination that this, this is not the country we want, that we mm. can do so much better, but we can only do it together. Bobby Godsell, I want to pick you up on two things. One is polarization uh, that exists in this country. We are a society marred by division and how we can perhaps bridge that. And the second thing is it's all very well to have plans and people working together, uh, but it's a question of proper implementation. Let's talk about polarization first yeah. of all, though. So many people are talking beyond each other. You give me the example of the political parties addressing different uh, racial profiles. It's not acceptable. And it, that doesn't work. It's a hindrance. How do you overcome Come that polarization to bring everybody into that broad tent? Look, if I had a, an effective answer to that question, I... I you wouldn't I, be sitting here, you'd be sitting somewhere else, probably. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe in heaven. <laughs> but I tell you what... Yeah. Uh, but you must you have some thoughts. Where we have to start on the polarization, we have to start with individuals. And I'm a white South African. I grew up as a white South African. This is my skin color. It's not a big issue for me. It might be an issue for other people. But, I mean, this is my own community, the white community. I think, you know, the first start, the first thing that has to happen is that people have to say, this is our home, and it's our only home. <laughs> mm. And uh, we're going to take it back. We're going to fix it. The problem with doubt about your country and it is a doubt, it's a doubt that may incidentally be more particularly evident in English-speaking South Africans than in Afrikaans-speaking South Africans, which is kind of interesting. But it's a crippling phenomenon. You either are a South African altogether. You're active, you're engaged. They don't fix the potholes in your neighborhood. You get together in a residence association and you fix the potholes. This is a small issue. You are active in the community policing forum. You are a registered voter. <laughs> you are interested not only who will govern, but how they will govern. You're interested in the people who seek your power every five years. How will they use it? It's that set of attitudes that belong to the concept of citizenship. In, in a deep way. I mean, what intrigued me a long time ago was that many black South Africans respond to the word African rather than South African. And for many white South Africans, they don't actually respond to the word African very well. And so I think from both sides, we've got to actually move to a deeply shared identity and destiny. 
because really, you know, of course people can immigrate and they have that right and they can exercise that choice. I think they are often very unrealistic about the fact that they will leave all the problems uh, behind. Mm. I think many of the problems follow them. You know, Alan Payton said an important thing about people who lose hope. He said people who lose hope should at least for the rest of us shut up. Do you think leading on from that assertion then that there is a willing majority of people in this country that still want to fix things, that still have the optimism and the hope that you talk about, that there is a majority of middle ground consensus that exists? I have absolutely no doubt about that. You know, I think, Jeremy, and it's tricky because here I'm saying it to you as a your career has been lifelong in the media. I think what South Africa has, and we're not alone, by the way, mm. is we have a disconnected elite. My experience of everyday South Africans is racism is not widespread, actually. My sense of everyday South Africans is they're getting on with their lives. They're by and large ready to treat each other with dignity and respect. They by and large actually look each other in the eye. Mm. They by and large get to know people's names or people that they see. And, often. Sm- and smile at each other. Indeed, they do. And they want things to work. I'm afraid it is true that bad news sells and good news generally doesn't. In South Africa, this has the form. You know, if if I hear one more time about the fact that the ANC is inevitably and immediately and already going to be in a coalition with the EFF and Julius Malema is going to be the deputy president. Honestly, this is something that was media created. There never was a realistic possibility of this. Now, I can't think of a single ANC leader at any level of this organization, regional, provincial, or national, who hasn't said they don't want a deal with the EFF. Uh, But why do we have this lingering nightmare, (laughs) mainly in white heads, okay? And the problem with these created, you know, there's a wonderful Jewish word, or it is Jewish, golem, Mm. (laughs) this ominous presence and what it does is to sap the energy you say we can't fix it because they're going to work together (laughs) and you're suggesting bobby gotzel that in some respects the media is fanning those flames i have no not Mm. only the media by the way Mm. yeah here's a problem about the disconnected Mm. elite Uh, it's a problem i think hugely manifest in the united states of america and its polarization Mm. That, you know, see, take CNN and Fox. It's not only the journalists, and it is the journalists, mm. by the way, but it's every CNN panel and every Fox panel is loaded with commentators, quite often, by the way, also CNN journalists mm. and Fox journalists, yeah, yeah. but who are filled with a sense of gloom. I think, by the way, <laughs> there's a generational quality to this. I look at these talking heads um, and I look at who's writing columns in South African mm. newspapers. I, I'm afraid to say, and I say this as a 70-year-old, okay, I'm, I'm, this is overwhelmingly old people. These are people who are young and vital and active in the 1980s and early 1990s. They were part of transforming South Africa and performing our miracle. They feel kind of let down and left out. And now they are exceedingly grumpy. (laughs) But they also have the wisdom of experience, don't they? Well, perhaps perhaps they do. But, you know, what you have to do is to try to tease out of the gloom what exactly it is. You know, let's talk about a concept that is very prevalent, like the ANC-EFF deal, the problem of a failed state. I mean, firstly, by the way, I'm an amateur intellectual in the sense that I've spent my entire life reading about Mm. the world. 
Uh, I have yet to come across a meaningful definition of this concept of failed state. I don't know what it means. And in South Africa, I think it's an extremely unhelpful concept. It's much better to talk about what is failing in the state, and there's lots that is failing. Uh, I'm subscribed to a private fire brigade service because I don't trust the Johannesburg Municipality Fire Brigade to come to my house quickly in the case of a fire. Mm. So th there's an example of failure, and we should name it as failure, and we should fix it. But a failed state, that's, you know, more sweeping. And the suggestion is that you'd be a fool if you think you could turn this around. And then I guess a phrase like that almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. It's a, exactly. It's a mantra. It's a dogma. Mm. It's actually, oddly enough, almost like a religious belief. And it's very hard to move people. Again, you know, I think this is... <laughs> This is something, you know, there's a lovely expression, offendy, clever people mm. uh, that were part of creating Turkey to be Turkey, to be fair to them. But a lot of our commentators uh, are filled with a sense of gloom or the inevitability of failure. It surprises me because I, I doubt that their daily life reflects this. But, you know, there's a narrative that South Africa has failed, that the dream has failed, mm. that the rainbow nation is finished. You've got to unpack this into things that can be actually addressed. I guess also, and I don't want to delve into into kind of the human psyche, because neither of us are, are amateur uh, psychologists, unless you are, Bobby. I don't no, know. Not at all. But um, it's a lot easier to be angry and bitter than it oh, is actually to be happy and optimistic. Angry is an easy default position. I'm afraid that's true. Mm. I would also have to say, by the way, it's much more pleasant to be hopeful mm. than it is to be angry because the anger actually t turns in on yourself and again there's a, a generational quality i mean i i've got three daughters in their 30s my wife and i were we, we both just turned 70 for us our political education our political induction as teenagers and young adults was all about race was south africa a black country or a white country mm. it was all about race for my daughter's race is not actually a terribly prominent issue at all. Gender is. And beyond gender, actually, uh, integrity. Do the leaders mean what they say? There is a deep suspicion of the advertising industry, of the promise. Yeah, now, and it's extraordinary. Every bank has got to prom promise you happiness uh, as well as easy banking. Uh, there's a strange infusion of a kind, and it's, I think... The failure of, of a more vital social compact here, but it's not only here. So, you know, we need to restore a sense of hope, but it's not just people holding hands and singing Kumbaya. It's actually identifying what needs to be fixed for ordinary people and fixing it. Let's get to the other question that I had about our lack of ability to implement properly. Yes. And uh, you sat for a while, as you said, on the National Planning Commission. Yes. Uh, you came up with some very good work. Yes. Um, the problem, though, and, and again, it's a cliche here, we're very good in this country at developing plans. Yes. We are appalling at implementing them. How do you bridge that? Is there an easy way? Is there a methodological way of doing that, do you think? I tell you in broad terms, I think the, the, that we implemented badly since 94 is mm. true. And I think actually uh, at the heart of that failure. Yeah, what did we implement? Let me let, me let you finish first. Yeah. Develop that thought, then I'll come back. Yeah. Well, we failed to implement a government of national unity. Mm. It lasted for all of two years. And then F.W. de Klerk walked out. <laughs> we failed to develop 
and sustain a rapid mm. growing economy. We had, by the way, five wonderful years from 2002 to 2007. To be fair, the global economy was growing rapidly, yep. but we grew at above 5%, and we reduced unemployment, and we reduced poverty. So that was a moment. But we failed in the big challenges. Because of hubris? No. Here's my view as to why we failed. What we needed, and I think, by the way, what was hoped for in '94 was that white people would make their wealth experience and resources and skills available to the national project and that the new black elite who were running the institution would want those that wealth those skills Mm. the wealth is important by the way i'm not talking actually about the super rich you know the the fact is that everybody who's come into life uh, with parents owning a home who got a good uh, education, generally speaking, at a state school, like let's think about Kes mm. or Parktown Boys, for example, used state hospitals, used state public transport, all of which was good and all of which was designed to look after 20% of the population, that is the whites. They came with a set of advantages. And what those were the people, again, you know, if you think of municipal government and the miserable failure of engineering and finance in municipal government, you know, one of the, the worst things that came out of Cadessa, by the way, was a concession, probably the major concession got from by the National Party from the ANC. It was a concession to offer white public servants a golden handshake mm. that they could leave with a lot of money. And a lot did. And, they, and a lot did in teaching the and old, nursing. The famous sunset well. clause, I think. And, yeah. you know, that's, it's the, the failure of bringing together those who had a capacity to implement the plan well with those who were designing the plan, although I would argue that we needed to design the plans together and implement them together. So this is not a stark black-white separation. It's just that quite a lot of the people who had the skills to be implementers in fixing Johannesburg, in fixing your suburb, in fixing the police force, uh, withdrew. And I, I think they would... They would often argue they withdrew because they weren't wanted. I mean, this was a this is a crazy kind of courtship with both sides mm. sort of blaming the other for not having the courage to go and ask the other person to dance. You know, my hope is not next year we're asking each other to dance and we will. So how do we become better in the shorter space of time at more effective implementation? Well, you know, the crisis is a great advantage. Mm. You know, I don't know of anybody in Johannesburg who wouldn't like to fix the water supply. And actually, I think the water supply can be made dramatically better in a 12 to 18 month period. It's got to do with being able to pump during load shedding. And it's got to do with some degree of water pipe replacement. It may have to do with some new design for getting water to people's houses. But, you know, there's a bunch of experts out there. And there's a plan, starting with the National Development Plan, but there are much more recent plans to fix that. And I think, again, you know, in Johannesburg, I think there are um, plenty of community police forums that work very well. There are a lot of police stations that actually are well managed and well run. There are some that are appallingly managed, but that's fixable. I think people have the desire to do this. And, you know, the great thing that has happened to our government is that they've realized they can't do it alone. 
You know, the first policy document the ANC produced in 1990 was called Ready to Govern. Mm. And I, I think, sadly, what they really meant was ready to govern alone. And I think they recognize that they can't. I just want a quick view from you on the art of negotiation, if we yeah. can talk about that quickly. Um, I mentioned uh, uh, the accolade that uh, that was given to you on your retirement uh, from the mining industry, particularly shaping the destiny of uh, the labor relations landscape. You've been at the coalface, if you'll excuse the pun, of, uh, of, of, of negotiation. You said at the beginning of our conversation that you wish we could have done more about it and you wish that we could still negotiate better. Yes. What's the secret, Bobby Gotzel, to negotiation? Because I sense the way in which we can bridge that gap that we spoke about earlier yeah. is if we start talking to each other more meaningfully. Uh, is there a primer that you have in that respect? I only thought, uh, and it's... It's absolutely not original. Mm. Henry Kissinger published a book uh, two years ago at the age of 98 called Leadership. Mm. <laughs> but, at, you know, the, the first point about the precondition for a successful negotiation is that both parties believe there's at least a 50% chance of achieving their own interests through deal-making rather than through fighting. Mm. That's, and I think we haven't been there until now. Uh, and to be blunt, I think government and the ANC n knows they need the rest of South Africa to, to address the problems. I think the South Africans who wanted to immigrate hopefully have immigrated. Mm. <laughs> and the rest of us are here to stay. And the rest of us are looking at a legacy for our children and grandchildren. So we want to fix things. So I think now there's an understanding that only together by defining common goals, and, uh, you know, again, the preamble to the National Development Plan sets out goals for our society, what South Africa should look like in a, a magnificent poem mm. for 2030. There isn't anybody in the leadership of the DA or the ANC or, for that matter, the IFP or, for that matter, the Freedom Front that actually fundamentally disagrees with those goals. So those politicians need to be working together to define common goals. Then they need packs with society, labor, business, and the rest of the community to implement effectively. And just be a little bit kinder. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to be more joyful, mm. to be more hopeful. It's terrible to move around thinking that you're living in a failed state. I was looking for an elegant way to segue into the piece of paper that you brought with you. Yes. And the best way I can do it, Bobby Gotzel, is have you read any good crime thrillers lately? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Here's a quote from the latest Dion Mayer, delightfully called Leo. And it's between his two chief characters, mm. Benny Grissel and Kubido. Kubido is speaking. He says, I feel you, Benny. Dinge like nie, great nie. Ek worry my work. But we both know this is a transition phase. Never as good as we hope, never as bad as we fear. And in here land, fix ons op die ou end alles. Skeef en krom, I grant you. Bobby Godsell, I think that's an excellent place to park a punctuation point on this conference. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jeremy Maggs. Thank you for listening to the Fix SA podcast on MoneyWeb, brought to you by the Industrial Development Corporation. Thanks for listening to this Fix SA podcast brought to you by the Industrial Development Corporation. For more episodes posted every second Friday, go to moneyweb.co.za, the MoneyWeb app. Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or follow MoneyWeb News on social media for more updates. MoneyWeb, 
your trusted source for business and investment insights.